The government is more than watching the layoffs at big tech companies. The Office of Personnel Management is leading a drive to recruit some of those out-of-work souls to work for the government. More than 50 federal, state, and local government agencies signed up for an OPM-led virtual job fair this week. OPM is also doing a longer-term rethinking of the federal hiring experience. For an update, Federal News Network's Jory Heckman spoke with OPM senior advisor Kylie Russ. We're all reading the news. We're all seeing all these layoffs, um, hearing stories about people who are thinking about the impact that their highly unique skill sets can have and maybe aren't having right now the impacts that they want. And so hearing all of this, we started to connect with a few outside organizations like Tech Talent Project. Federation of American Scientists, these really amazing nonprofits who are thought leaders in this space, we started to talk to them about like what could happen to really facilitate movement from the private sector into the public sector, whether it's people who have been laid off or whether it's people who are just rethinking what they want to do with their careers. And Tech Talent, they've organized this movement of people called tech to gov That's a group made up of a bunch of amazing organizations. When they were organizing and once we got even just a little bit into the conversation, OPM decided that we wanted to have a really active role in this. And so that has really paid off. We have about 50 agencies uh, registered for the fair, which is amazing. We're really excited about the agency interest. And so OPM decided we wanted to co-host this so that we could help organize agencies, help agencies think about what are the hiring authorities you can think about using for this? What recruiting tactics can you think about particularly for this fair? So it's really been a partnership between Tech Talent Project, Volcker Alliance, and a bunch of others, and OPM. But as co-hosts, we're really excited about the turnout of agencies at the federal level. That's really great to hear that this has long-term implications here. What are some of the other ways that this is now such a big opportunity for private sector tech workers to join federal service? The federal government is really ready to invest in tech and tech teams right now. We know that investing in digital service teams and supporting them from the beginning can really yield some amazing results. One thing that we're doing is really investing in assessments to make sure that subject matter experts are at the table. SMEQWA is what I'm talking about, making sure that if you're a subject matter expert in government, we want to make sure that you are helping to choose what really makes an IT product manager qualified in federal government. And so bringing in those experts to the table throughout the hiring and assessment process is something that we are trying to scale right now. So SMEQA has been kind of in the federal atmosphere for a while, but there's actually a new group at OPM called the Hiring Experience Group, or HX, that has the mission of like innovating in federal hiring. And so one of the things that we're working on is scaling assessments, including SMEQA's. Another thing that we're working on is shared certificates. Basically, instead of an applicant having to apply to a job at EPA, ED, OPM, over and over and over at very different jobs, if you're applying for an IT product manager role, let's have you apply once. And then everybody who's hiring for that role can select off of the people who are qualified for that role. How is that helping to address what we're talking about? That really helps with time to hire if you think about it from the applicant's perspective because they're not having to apply, 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 apply. They apply once and then everyone who is hiring can make an offer to that person, assuming that they make it through. The last thing that I'll talk about is we are really trying to invest in early career talent. We are anticipating that 
people who were getting ready to graduate from technical programs, from different degree programs, maybe thought that they were going to go work at some of these big tech companies who are now, of course, laying off workers. We are hoping that we can scoop up some of that early career talent. We're especially interested in this idea because there's been some statistics that have come out recently that say that for 70% of people graduating from programs right now, their number one thing that they're looking for in a job is stability. And government definitely can provide that. So couple those two facts, and we're really thinking about how can we scoop up some of this tech talent, especially at the early career stage, because that's part of OPM's real strategic plan right now. You know, it seems like there are just really trade-offs wherever you work, private sector, public sector. There's going to be pros, there's going to be cons. I'm just kind of curious, you said stability is like the number one thing that new hires are looking for, and the government can offer that. What are some of those additional benefits the federal government can offer that might be something that is unique to government and that the private sector can't really offer quite as well? Sure. And to be clear, really, it's early career stage, people graduating from like college universities that are looking for stability. I would say that there are at least three that we really want to stress. One is work-life balance. People in government work really, really hard, but government does a really good job of managing when you are ready to sign off or like when it's time to sign off, then you should do that. I know from my experience that that is not necessarily true in the private sector. And that is definitely a value proposition the government has. Another one is benefits. We have really amazing benefits, including pensions, which are unheard of for the most part in the private sector. And then saving like least practical, but the most impactful from my experience in recruiting people is the mission. If you want to make true change at a systemic level, so not Band-Aid fixes, at the system-wide level, you're going to impact literally hundreds of millions of people. Government is the place for you. We know that technologists can come in and make a difference from inside of government and like impact hundreds of millions of Americans, but also people across the globe. So mission and like every agency has a unique mission. And depending on where your passions lie, there's a place for you. If you can dream of a job, the federal government probably has it. Sure, like there are jobs in HR, in OPM. Um, there are also obviously jobs in tech, IT products, data science is like a new job to the federal government. But in terms of mission, you can help land someone on the moon. You can help people access clean drinking water. Like there is just, you could do anything. One thing that was interesting, again, with kind of the VA component of things that I imagine has government-wide implications is VA CIO Kurt Del Benny says, look, I still split my time between Washington State and D.C. I'm not in the office 100 percent of the time. I don't expect you to be in the office 100 percent of the time. It seems like these are hires that are really conducive to telework, to remote work and, you know, everything in between. How is that helpful for agencies to recruit from this broader pool? So helpful. We know that workplace flexibilities can help attract the best talent across the country, no matter where they are, thanks to lower stress, work-life balance, less commuting, flexible work hours. Productivity at home is the same, if not better than in the office, and we've definitely seen that. Agencies have a lot of flexibilities in what they can offer, and we're really encouraging agencies to think about those flexibilities for this type of event. This is a virtual event. And if, you know, if we can make this work, we should be able to make remote work continue to work for us. 
Kylie Russ, Senior Advisor at the Office of Personnel Management, speaking with Federal News Network's Jory Heckman. Check out Jory's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Leadership today, especially within the federal workforce, is being tested more than ever before. Sean Ferguson, Senior Vice President of Government Relations and Chief of Staff to the Office of the Chairman at the Special Olympics, joins host Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA, to discuss the importance of leadership, inclusion, and community building. To learn more about how you can get involved with the Special Olympics in your community, visit specialolympics.org slash get dash involved. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. What are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned working with that community? Oh, uh, yeah, almost, uh, Shane, it's almost immeasurable. The things I've learned since I've been with Special Olympics. I um, One of the things that drew me to Special Olympics uh, when I made the move over from, from the NFL uh, was that my mother, my grandmother, my aunt all took care of, of people with intellectual disabilities and, and, and physical disabilities as well. So all of my life, I was uh, interacting and around um, usually usually young people, but also adults with disabilities. And so I, I knew that I knew that work a bit. You know, they they basically were in d- direct care. And and I will say, and on a, obviously we'll say about my my family, my mother, my aunt, my grandmother, they're saints. Uh, but uh, the the men and women that do take care of people with uh, pr- profound disabilities are are really um, you know we we can't do enough to salute them. Um, they're they're really heroes, and um, so I was I was drawn when I I and I just saw that you know Special Olympics was looking for someone, and I thought, well, you know, take a look at it and see, see you know, throw, uh, send in my information, and lo and behold, I I, I get hired, and um, I learn uh, every day almost something from, especially from our athletes. Uh, we're blessed to have a number of athletes that work here in our office in Washington D.C. and you know, uh, Terrell, who, who works in, in our mailroom, who comes by with packages and deliveries. Uh, if you're having a day that's, you know, getting away from you and you, you <laughs> coffee hasn't kicked in, but Terrell comes by, always happy, always enthused, uh, has a, has a good story. Like it can just turn a day around for you. And, and, and you think of, I, I, you know, often when he'll walk away, I'll be like, you know, whatever was bothering me or whatever is, you know, stressing me out. And come on, you know, like look at look at Terrell. Like he he faces everything with optimism, and 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 I've seen that also in our going to competitions in throughout the United States and globally. You see people who have had everything stacked against them. You know, their parents when they were born were often told this is a tragedy, and you should you should you know send your this child away. Don't don't you know and kind of forget about them. Get, turn them over to the state or or wherever, and and you know that you know just kind of wash, wash your hands of it. Um, and 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 in in these cases, the parents didn't do that, thankfully. Um, and but they've still faced enormous challenges, you know. And but you see them out competing on the basketball courts or the football fields or swimming, and uh, and and you know, besting their times from, from their last competition. And they're so committed and just keep fighting through all the obstacles that they've had in front of them that are not just on the sports field, but also in growing up and finding education and finding groups to be part of and trying to find jobs. And, and, and I've seen so much perseverance and grit 
uh, from a- the athletes of Special Olympics that uh, I, I Tim Triver, my boss, the chairman, uh, says all the time, and I couldn't agree with him more. Uh, we get more than we give uh, working with Special Olympics. It, you know, we, and thank you for your very kind words about the work I do and we do. But but we're the lucky ones. We, those of us that work here are the lucky ones because I. I said to someone the other day, you know, the things that I've been able to see and experience with athletes, you just don't get to do that anywhere. That, that, you know, it's a, and it's so unique and it's so uh, joyful. And, and uh, I mean, we work hard and, you know, we we're up against, you know, the things that nonprofits are up against and, you know, the, you know, the issues of the day, but uh, man, you see it, it and, and, and the inclusion and the at special Olympics, no one's excluded. You know, no, right. no one's excluded. Everyone yeah. is equal at Special Olympics. It, and, you know, in a country that's quite divided on so many lines, politically and uh, socially, uh, economically, race and uh, sexual orientation and whatnot. But you go to Special Olympics and everyone's involved. Everyone's welcome. Everyone's equal. And I've learned that it's a model for our country and for our world. Uh, I, I just think that that if if people were involved in Special Olympics in experience the power of special olympics for themselves i i I can't imagine that one help our country and help our world um to experience that true inclusion and acceptance of difference how how do we get how can listeners get involved in special olympics ways to get involved uh, tons of ways so uh volunteers obviously coaches officials uh, and, and the thing that, that, that uh, Tim Shriver has done uh, and really pushed in the years that he's been chairman is the unified sports model that, that I mentioned earlier, um, where people and, and it doesn't have to be. Uh, it's not just school age. It's it's, uh, you know, we say nine to ninety nine or uh, year old uh, folks uh, that play on teams, uh, bowl together, golf together, play soccer, basketball together. Uh, people with and without intellectual disabilities competing on teams together. Um, and that is, I, I think, when you when you go back to the founding uh, of our organization, what Mrs. Tri- Mrs. Shriver was trying to do uh, was to, to uh, create inclusion opportunities for people with intellectual disabilities. And you see it at these unified sports events where people with and without are playing together. We still have traditional uh, teams where it's all people with intellectual disabilities competing with other uh, teams, all intellectual disabilities. But this model of inclusive sports and inclusive leadership programs and whatnot, I think is truly revolutionizing and changing the way people see uh, others with intellectual disabilities. That's just like, I mean, that's what we that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to bring people together and bridge difference and, and, and celebrate differences and that our athletes, man, are some of the grittiest people that you will meet. And, and, uh, and there's a lot to learn from our athletes and playing sports with them and interacting is, is how you'll learn it. Check us out at, you know, uh, specialolympics.org on, on our website. Uh, that will link you to your local program. You can follow through the, the clicks of how to get involved and where, what's closest to you. You'll enjoy it. I can promise you that. Well, thank you very much, Sean. And, and to everybody listening, I'm Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA, and we'll, uh, Talk to you next time on the Lessons in Leadership podcast.